0: Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl
2: family. Football is many things. Unpredictable, exciting, colourful, passionate, absorbing... Expensive. Venal, infuriating,
3: exasperating, time-consuming, depressing. But one thing it most certainly is not, is a
2: level playing field. Welcome to the famous Sloping Pitch. In a week when it was revealed that Covid lockdown brought about a spate of regretted purchases, topping the list were gym equipment, carpentry tools and Emiliano Buendia. And a week in which Joe Biden was accused of farting in front of the Duchess of Cornwall.
3: The American president later apologised, saying, I didn't realise it was her turn. thank you! Can we get a drum
2: kit in here? (laughs) Oh, that joke courtesy of the Victorian Albert Museum. Of 1940. (laughs) And Gary Neville criticised Man United's defenders after they were seen high-fiving each other after Manchester City failed to score a third goal. The players were unconcerned about Gary's comments, and next time they're going to go with the Eskimo nose-rubbing or one of those Butterfly kisses when you touch eyelashes. (laughs) Experts said that a
3: regular 10 o'clock bedtime reduces the risk of heart attacks. And I know what they mean. Match of the day winds me up as well. Um, The volleyball that featured in the film Castaway, did you see this? Uh, With Tom Hanks as Wilson... The only volleyball to be nominated as an Academy Award for Supporting Actor, sold at auction for 230,000 after a bid of 4.2 million from Newcastle United was rejected on ethical grounds. (laughs) What does this have to do with football? Well, in order to talk to Wilson and remain sane or arguably otherwise, Tom Hanks invented the ball plinth that's now used all around the world true oh, story oh is
2: that right yeah, I yeah. yeah. forgot Wilson, Wilson on a little plinth Wilson, that he made out of Wilson on a plinth <laughs> yeah, okay. um, anyway um, also with uh, sad news this week with the uh, passing of Gerald Sinstad yeah. the great Granada uh, football commentator and also the presenter of kick-off on Friday nights I think mm-hmm. with Elton Wellsby. Uh, one of the great things uh, about Gerald Sinstad classic comment during the 1978 World Cup from Argentina where the, um, the, where the coverage was slightly delayed uh, in coming through and he said to Jim Rosenthal in the uh, in the studio, "It's live, Jim, but not as we know it." <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. He didn't yeah. really say that. I just made it up. But It'd be
3: good if he did. Uh, no, one thing that he he did actually say, I remember, uh, because I, I looked Jerry Senter up yesterday um, h- after hearing that he he'd passed and saw the great clip of Dennis Law sending Manchester United down it from yes. 1974, and one of one of uh, he, he was commentating on that moment for uh, Granada, and his line was, "Dennis has done it." All right, okay. Which was that. I was particularly and, uh, interested to look at that game because I was at it yeah, with yeah. my grandfather. Oh, were you Sat really? behind that goal, yeah. Oh. He had um, a friend with uh, Manchester United season tickets and he was a glory hunter and he'd given up halfway through the season. So my granddad had his season tickets oh. and we went to that, yeah. Oh, good. And my granddad, I remember. Pull, uh, grabbing my arm when Dennis Law's back heel went in grabbing my arm and pulling me out of the stadium because he knew it was going to
2: kick off it was going to kick off Yeah. Okay. the other thing Jerry Sinstad did and, and I, we weren't meant to be doing a whole thing on Jerry Sinstad but, <laughs> but during the do you remember the famous uh, West Brom winning 5-3 at Old Trafford yeah. uh, with, um, with Cunningham Regis and Batson and uh, during that game in the commentary and they left this in um, he called out the Manchester United fans um, for their racism which I think was probably the first time that had ever been done one and one wasn't done again for about 30 years, so he was well ahead of his time. Yeah, right?
3: until they started kneeling down and yeah, yeah, ended racism it. forever. Yeah. So, the Premier League has apparently blocked a charitable initiative called Hashtag No Home Kits. Did you see this? I did. Which sounds like a charity thing to help kids whose parents can't afford new football shirts for Christmas. It's not, though. It's an idea by Shelter to raise awareness of homelessness, not home kitlessness, whereby all the Premier League clubs would wear their away strip on Boxing Day. I mean, timing, though. After all, if nothing else, Christmas is a special time for kids to get given a new home shirt that will be out of date in six months' time. Uh, it is staggering, though, the whole thing, is it not? Yeah, well, uh, their statement said, uh, sorry, nothing we can do. It's the rule. It's our rule that we decide on, but we yeah. don't even know how to change it. It's, uh, it's completely out of our hands.
2: Yeah, and you kind of feel that they've sat there and gone, well, yeah, I suppose we could, but you know, where, where will it end? Where, you know, where it? will once, it end? Once you, open, once you kick where, open but, that door. You know, you, 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 where will it end? Perhaps with
3: helping homeless people.
2: But, you know, no, no, no. We're not doing it.
3: It'll be, it'll be rainbow laces before you know it. Yeah. Anyway, before we allow ourselves to luxuriate in the finest premium gourmet truffles of the Premier League, it's time to scoff down the hairy Malteser that you found in the bottom of your tracksuit trouser pocket that is the very bottom of the EFL. Mm. Although, the hairy Malteser. <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> Although saying that... Yes, that's what it is. Although saying that, Oldham Athletic have had a little break from the hairy Malteser scoffing thanks to a couple of cup competitions. One, the oldest and most revered cup competition in the world, except... Set by top managers of course who routinely disrespect it by putting out weakened teams and the other the most reviled competition in the country thanks to Premier League clubs insisting on jamming their under 21 teams into it against the wishes of everyone else. So in the FA Cup last weekend Oldham made a surprisingly spirited bid for glory away at Ipswich Town another former Premier League team fallen on hard times if not quite as hard as the times we've fallen on. They've grazed knees while we have some sort of anterior cruciate ligament damage requiring mm. urgent surgery. But still, this is their third season in the third tier, which Alf Ramsey was the last manager to dig them out of 64 years ago. Last time I went there, uh, to Portman Road, the kick-off was delayed because the roof blew off one of the stands.
2: Oh, yeah, that happened to Yeah,
3: my recollection is we were 4-0 down well before half-time and then it was raining and really, really windy. But anyway, Ipswich fans seemed remarkably pessimistic before this game. Evidently, they've not been taking the cup very seriously for years, concentrating on trying to scramble back to the upper reaches where they believe they belong. They'd only won one of their last 19 FA Cup fixtures. Is, which is that a,
1: that's serious? That's a really that's terrible amazing. record,
3: isn't it? And it's precisely the sort of record that you can rely on Oldham to fix for you. Yeah. Sure enough, we're a goal down after seven minutes, up against it. But then something strange happened. Oldham started getting back into the game. We got a really good equaliser and then had a penalty, which would have put us in front, except it was saved. I mean, you know a penalty's going to be saved. I know you've only recently started watching them, haven't you? I have. So this may be news to you, but you know it's going to be saved if the players are arguing about who's going to take it. Yes. And, and sure enough.
2: Well, yes, and that's, don't you know it's going to be saved if we're taking it. If you, if you take it. It's simple it as that. Very,
3: very simple. <laughs> yeah. So 1-1 it finished. And so we'll have a replay at Fortress Boundary Park, where Oldham, as you recall, have the worst home record of any club in the country, going all the way back to 2008. <laughs> Lost six out of eight this season. But at least we didn't lose 7-0 like we did in the League Cup. The other game was in the EFL Trophy, uh, which has had a number of mostly van-based sponsors down the years, but now is the Papa John's Trophy, which reminds me of of um, pizza in a cup. Do you remember pizza in a cup? Yes, I do. The Steve Martin film. Yes, I do. It was a joke. Pizza in a cup, because yeah. it's a really stupid idea. But yeah. now you actually can get it, obviously. Pizza in a cup. Someone's invented <laughs> oh, well, I, it, marketed it in I, America. Do you know blah, blah. that any stupid idea will eventually come to it will fruition. Cup, yeah, uh, but a should they should sponsor it, don't you think? The pizza in a Cup Cup would be fantastic. Yeah, would would. Anyway, the thing that annoys me about this competition is that they kick off at 7 o'clock it's stupidly early I was out playing football on Tuesday and by the time I got in I'd missed the two goals that Oldham's Zach Durnley had scored to put us two up but I was just in time for the three goals Tranmere scored to beat us
2: well, you know, I think in a way we were sort of negative Jack Spratt and his wife there because I think 8 o'clock is far too late for a kickoff. off 7.45 it, is when football starts. No, 7.30, 730 is when... 7.30
3: maybe. Uh, yeah. I'd still, I can get back for 7.45 after the football. But Anyway, we're not out of this trophy yet though, even though we've lost two out of our three games. It's a bit like the Champions League or, or only Connect. It's almost impossible to get knocked out of it. <laughs> Stoke have won it, haven't they? The
2: when it was the Leyland Daff Cup. I think you're fine. And the Auto Windscreen Shield. We've won it two times. We've won it two times. Yeah, we have a
3: song. For we the, do. We do. A
2: <laughs> Papa John's Trophy song. We we sing it often at Liverpool when they say, you know, we've won it six times. We've won it six times. The European <laughs> Cup. We, we always sing. We've won it two times. We've won it two times. The Autoglass Trophy. We've won it
3: two times. Yeah. Oh, did you though win the Autoglass Trophy, or did you win the Leyland Daff Cup? No, or no.
2: Auto Windscreen Shield. No, no. We didn't read. it. win the leyland Cup.
3: (laughs) Anyway, we have yet another international break to endure it's incredible isn't it? England are playing Albania and San Marino over the course of the weekend Albania have come on so much in recent years that they'll be turning up with a chance of second in the group. Albania used to be minnows didn't they? It just goes to show there are no easy games in international football anymore and then we play San Marino. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. But no, the reason... I, we haven't played the games yet, obviously, but the reason I, I thought it was worth talking about was when Gareth announced his squad mm-hmm. last Friday, we learned that Mason Greenwood and Callum Hudson-Odoi had both turned down call-ups. Uh, Greenwood made himself unavailable for all the games up to Christmas, asking for his international career to be parked, was the word, really? until next year. And Hudson-Odoi's boots are too big for the under-21s, evidently. Now, Greenwood, has he been playing that well, Really? I mean, he's been a bit of a casualty of the return of Ronaldo. On what what grounds was he asking for it to be parked? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 the grand, I, his, his parents I mean, aren't
2: taking him to Disney World.
3: <laughs> I mean, he's only got the one cap, hasn't he, against Iceland, after which he was sent home for what the tabloids described as frolics.
2: Oh, yes. <laughs> no, That's true.
3: You'd have, thought, <laughs> exactly, you'd have thought he'd be really anxious to take any opportunity to get back in South, Southgate's good books, wouldn't yeah. you? like his fellow frolicker Phil Foden has done. Yeah. But there you go. And he pulled out of the Euros with injury, didn't he, I think. But he's only got one cap. You think, you know, you don't park your international career until you've actually bloody gone one, Yeah, it seems very strange And I, Hudson-Odoi has been establishing himself again, hasn't he, as a Chelsea first teamer after a little while of mm-hmm. being on the sidelines, but has he really earned the right to be sniffy about running out for the under-21s? I, I well, mean, should players be allowed to pick and choose whether or not to play for England you know, or should it really be a black mark going forward, you but, know, for them? That should be,
2: but there, there is a sort of Chelsea-Hudson precedent for this because Alan <laughs> Hudson pulled out of the under-23s in 1970 and wasn't picked for England by Alf Ramsey ever uh, well
3: i yeah, I can recall it happening before i mean i, re- I uh, one cat Wonder Chris Sutton turned down an England B call up Do you remember that and then never got picked again mm. and he was a he was you know a, a, an estimable player worth a go I think yeah Tim Sherwood apparently got Ray Harford to ask Terry Venables if he could have a rest at the end of the 95 season. And Venables said okay, but never picked him. Never picked him again. And Euro 96 was the next summer, so he missed out on that. And Sherwood was the playmaker of the champions. And maybe he wasn't quite as good as Jamie Redknapp, say, who did play. But maybe I just think that because Sherwood... Well, yeah, it wasn't in the England picture when he could have been yeah. you, you, you have a different view of him looking back
2: and, and Southgate's made it very clear that you know if you're willing to turn up he'll pick you whatever you're playing like because <laughs> you've got Kane in the squad you've got Maguire in the squad he's got Shaw in the squad he's got Sterling in the squad and you just wonder you know surely you can't play them they're all going through terrible runs and you just think well if you're not going to play them why pick them because what are they going to do they can't just stand on the touchline and dance like Bez from the Happy Mother. Some days <laughs> if only they would
3: uh, well, I, only. No, I
2: would enjoy that I mean I just think if you're a player who can
3: play for England why wouldn't you I mean you'll regret it later because your whole reputation will be on another level if you're an England player yeah. you mean you could be turning down not only England but also being a regular on league of their own or going on question of sport <laughs> with Paddy four phones, you know <laughs> and there's something I, I, it, it isn't but it almost feels cowardly to me you know, something like Trump getting a doctor's note claiming he had bone spurs to get out of the draft of Vietnam. Yeah. yeah. And I, the, uh, the related phenomenon of retiring early to prolong your club, your club career, I can't stand that. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no Shearer no. did it, didn't he, And Scholes and Carragher. Yeah. And if you won't play for England, why should we listen to you? Yeah, yeah. You know, what have you done for me lately? Yeah. You know, you selfish bastard. You know,
2: and, and all this in Remembrance Week,
3: you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. the you,
2: all those young lads that went out there—they're not saying no, no. Can I, can I after Christmas? Because you said it's over. <laughs>
3: well, can I? Yeah. Can I? Can I park my yeah. military yeah. career until yeah. after Christmas? I'll, I'll be
2: available for the Second War.
3: <laughs> Anyway, in the big money league, there were some notable results last weekend, weren't there? Chelsea dropped points in a home draw with Burnley. They had loads of shots, but only scored once. And amazingly, Timo Werner was out injured and it wasn't his fault. (laughs) Even Rhys James failed to notch for once, even though Thomas Tuchel said, did you see this? He could kick like a horse. Really, which means backwards, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, well, That's d- backwards. it brings us straight back to Dennis Law, doesn't it, at <laughs> <In> Old Trafford? <laughs> oh yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I remember going with a with a, a complaint that needn't needn't trouble you to the doctor, but the doctor said once he'd fixed it, he'd have me pissing like a police horse. <laughs> I think anyone who's been to a heavily policed game will appreciate that that is the proper standard unit of piss, yeah, one police force. Absolutely,
2: and also pissing outside a football ground is what it <laughs> yeah, <he exactly>.
3: means, <laughs> <laughs> which I think we've all done. Uh, uh, in the inside one also. Yeah. But Liverpool's long and beaten run came to an end against the Happy Hammers at the almost rent-free Olympic Stadium. Liverpool goalkeeper Alisson had a bit of a mare, didn't he? Cuffing the ball into his own net like a naughty toddler, mm-hmm. making a weak-wristed attempt to stop a breakaway goal and failing to cut out another corner. That's West Ham, you see good at set pieces that's put them in the place hasn't it right. which is third ahead of <laughs> Liverpool level with yes. Manchester City you know Manchester United could really do with a manager who can get a team to beat Liverpool and then compete with Manchester City on equal terms. So you think maybe David Moyes is well yeah this is this is
2: this is the way we come back absolutely. Just on the West Ham game, um, Jurgen Klopp and I I'm not saying that my English is any better than Jurgen <laughs> Klopp's, but Jurgen Klopp was uh, was was fronted up by um, uh, Rob Nothman. By Rob, oh, yeah. yeah, did you see that? I heard um, it, yeah. Well, who was asking about why he was complaining about the set pieces blah 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 blah. blah. And and Jurgen Klopp said no, I am not your puppy. <laughs> yes. I think it's, no, it's puppet. It's puppet. puppet. Not, think it's puppet? I think think it's that's pu- what he was going for? I think it's puppet. Yeah, 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 definitely.
3: <laughs> he is a big fan of the muppy Show. But anyway, <laughs> Oli Gunnar Solskjaer's neck is still uh, perilously close to the chopping block, isn't it, after a home defeat to local rival City? Maybe his assertion in the build-up that United was still the biggest club in the City was ill-advised, do you think? Uh, yes. But well, not that City looked particularly riled up by it, they just did a job of work, didn't they? Making United run around without the ball, knocking in a couple of goals and then declaring, much like Liverpool declared on five a couple of weeks earlier. Yeah, yeah. Except they just did the bare
2: minimum. That's... Entertainment. Ah. I, can I very briefly bring Arsenal into the equation? Yeah. Um, exciting week for Arsenal, I have mm-hmm. to say. You know, um, everybody's relieved that they're no longer in the bottom three or indeed bottom. Uh, but lots going on there, you know, even in an international week. Um, uh, last week was Arteta's 100th game. Wonderful. Um, and also this week, an Arsenal opera debuted um, debuted even, if it's an opera. So uh, you say
3: the T, do you? No, know. no,
2: debuted Debut. uh, at the <laughs> Barbican uh, to follow numerous books, a couple of singles, a play, a documentary series and a film. Now, OK, that doesn't help them win their first Premier League title in 18 years, but Arsenal is now the number one guest in charades. <laughs> So also, when you say film, do you mean the fever pitch film or the Arsenal Stadium mystery? No, there's, no, no, no. There's, there's another one. There's another uh, one? Oh, yes, of course oh, there is. Wow. And, and one other thing about Arsenal. Arsenal v Watford, uh, my favourite piece of commentary of the week was when um, uh, Emile Smith-Rowe scored and the commentator said, and that's history right there because Emile Smith becomes the first Arsenal player to score in three consecutive Premier League games under the age of 21 or Twenty one, as he is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, That's not start. history, is that it? That That's that shit <laughs> <laughs> So,
3: anyway, back at United, Oli uh, Gunnar Solskjaer remains in charge, even even though Rio has given up on him now, hasn't he? And he's been leading the betting odds for the sack race for weeks now, but several others have somehow slipped past, haven't they? Yeah. Actually, it shouldn't even be called a sack race anymore, technically, as the race was comprehensively won by Cisco Munoz of Watford some weeks ago. Well, yeah. And Bruce of Newcastle and Nuno of Spurs claiming the podium positions, presumably. Yeah. But this weekend, a couple more found their services were no longer required. I don't remember this ever being mentioned before and apparently this international break the third one of the autumn is colloquially known as the killing time right and managers dread having a bad run of form leading up to it because they know that their twitchy owners know that they have a couple of weeks to fill an empty seat right and already more managers in the top flight have lost their jobs than the whole of last season yeah which suggests that booing and shouting you don't know what you're doing actually does work.
2: Yeah. As job security was far better, apparently, with no crowds. So if it's almost always this time of year, isn't it? Maybe what what we've created here is a second, um, um, what do you call it? The glorious 12th. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the
3: November um, massacre. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, a couple more bit the dust just this week, which means that Frank Lampard and Stephen Gerrard's phones have been red hot. Can they both manage in the Premier League at the same time, though? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's my joke huh? <laughs> out. Oh, well, Gerrard got appointed by Villa this morning, just he did. a few days after Dean Smith paid the price at Villa for five defeats in a row. It
2: feels harsh, doesn't it, the Dean Smith thing? I mean, he seemed to be doing oh, a decent Oh, I think job that's there. awful. I really don't like that because, you know, what people always, fans always say, oh, we want somebody who cares and blah, 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 blah. blah, blah, blah. He's done a really good good job, he did a good job at Brentford he's brought some good players in uh, most have been injured and as we know they—you know—if you know if you don't like the players that have come in he probably hasn't signed them anyway. Yeah
3: and Lamps meanwhile has been courted by Norwich after poor Daniel Fark got sacked right after getting his first win of the season yes. they let him go and do the post-match interviews about how they were turning the corner and this was the start of better things <laughs> and then they sacked him before match of the day when all those quotes were going to be on yeah. which seems really harsh. I mean considering he's won the championship twice by a, by a distance in the four years he's been in charge yeah. and so perhaps the reason they don't quite cut it in the Premier League in between times isn't all down to him no do you think? absolutely not but I, Newcastle also made an appointment haven't they
2: they uh, have, did you see by the way Steve Bruce spent some of his eight million on a nice trip to Abu Dhabi I did see teacher. that and I also noticed that England had a hundred percent win record before he got there and <laughs> now have lost two out of three well it meant we got to see his miserable defeat face one more time <laughs> <laughs> there, is that.
3: there is that and now Newcastle have appointed Eddie Howe Eddie Howe I Eddie. wanted to call him Ernie Howe you, yeah. I mean because I'm a gentleman of a certain age but yeah. because of old bubblegum cards Yes, Ernie Howe Ernie Hannigan
2: country er, and Ernie Howe was the one that did the the, 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 flick, up the for, flick up for, for Willie Clark's Karl. golf yeah, right, yeah. yes absolutely I mean I, he said Eddie Howe that he was a perfect fit um, for <laughs> Newcastle United and I tend to agree because since he's been born he's never won anything and <laughs> nor of Newcastle and they, but good news for, for, for Ernie Eddie Howe um, in that um, you know the, he's got players coming through from the youngsters because they're under 21s over only lost 6-3 at Mansfield in the week. <laughs> well, he said, didn't he, How Howe, that
3: in his time off, since since leaving Bournemouth, he's been learning from Diego Simeone, apparently. So we can expect to see him refusing to shake hands at the end of games, and <laughs> Newcastle players throwing themselves to the floor to try to get opposition players sent off. Yes. And apparently he made an incredibly detailed presentation of what Newcastle should be and do to get where they want to be. And the reason they just
2: didn't give him the job straight away is that they don't know what they're doing. No. But still. I, I did notice, well, just quickly, because we, we, we'll need to take a break in a minute, but uh, did you see Eddie Howe and Amanda Staveley at the Brighton game, mm. where they were sat up seemingly on their own? There were three of them, and they were raised up so, slightly different. From, there, was, there was Eddie Howe with his frighteningly blonde hair and his blue eyes, and mm. there was Amanda Stavely just frightening. And I don't know why, but in my mind, all I could think of was the 1936 Olympics. <laughs> dear, dear. <laughs> I'm sorry. <That's laughs> all, that was what came into
3: my mind. Anyway, let's move on. It was announced this week that Chelsea against Liverpool on January the 2nd mm. will mark the return of standing to the English top flight. Since 1994, grounds in the top two tiers have been required by law to be all seaters following recommendations made by the Taylor Report into the 1989 Hillsborough disaster. Now, there's been standing in the top two divisions since 1994 uh, with some clubs being given dispensation before moving to new all-seater stadium i think stoke were one weren't they they had standing after the taylor report and Mm -hmm. fulham were the most recent because their promotion up the divisions took them by surprise but there's not been any standing for the last 20 years in the top two divisions and this has been in the wind for a little while hasn't it i mean it was actually in the conservative manifesto in 2019 um along with oh i forget now Making the rich richer, that was one That was one of their <laughs> things. Not holding their own MPs accountable for blatant corruption, I think that was in there. Yeah. Something about taking the whole country to hell in a handbasket, something yes. like that. Yes, yes. But City have installed uh, 5,000 and more rail seats last summer to be ready in case the rules changed. United installed uh, 1,500 barrier seats, yeah, seats yeah. with standing barriers in front, a different design, less chance of a shin-breaking surge. But it's not, the thing is it's not is a return to the terraces. No, no, absolutely not. Because these rail seats, people won't stand in front of them, they will stand on them. That's what's going to happen. I remember there used to be rail seats behind the goal at Main Road and going up there for the Cup semi final in 1990, just the year after Hillsborough, and after the Taylor report came out, but before its recommendations came into effect. Everyone was standing on these things, balanced on it, because you had to, because the guys at the front had, were standing so on them. Yeah, 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 so yeah. then everyone was standing on these things. And it felt
2: really precarious, to be honest. You were balancing up there, you so, weren't so, able to move about. Let, let, let me get this straight. The, the seats are integral to the same area as the standing. Yeah,
3: you have to. everyone has to have an allocated seat, whether they sit on it or stand on it. Is, is, is so you do stand on the seat that you're meant to stand. No, on. No, no, you're meant no. to stand in front, in front of, of the seat. seat. The rail, okay. There's a rail. You can sit right. on the seat, you know, to read the program or while you know while the uh, the sumos are doing their stuff. Yeah, yeah, But But you, you then you stand in front of it. Oh dear. And it and I think. I think the barriers are supposed to be integral to it because he could still have the same surge. I mean, we were talking just now about the uh, Gerald Sinstad commentating on that United City game. We yeah. watched a bit of that from 1974. There was a moment in that game where Sammy McIlroy had a chance in the air. Turned, shot, went past the top corner. And the, and as the ball went, you could see the crowd, the Stratford Ends, <clears throat> and just the wave of people just
2: yes.
3: surging down. Yes. And then it had to relax back up. And, you know, it was The Manchester really, wave, as it was called. It was called. really <laughs> sort of... Dangerous yeah, then, yeah. and you know, you know. Look at with a he- with you know with with modern health and safety vision, you look at that now, and you think, how was that? Ha-? But imagine, yeah. imagine a surge like that if every step has oh, rail uh, seats uh, on uh, it.
2: Yeah, yes, yes. You know, it's good. It, I think, I think, I hope I'm wrong, but I think it, it feels like an accident when it happens. It, it, to me. it sounds to me very much like like leaving a roller skate on the stairs. It's, <laughs> it's such a bad. idea But I hope the other things do come back. I hope that you know the the, the terraces dripping with piss. <laughs> Again, that would be good because that's going to stop those buggers that turn up in those horrible slider shoes <laughs> and three-quarter well, length trousers. you're going
3: to get the slide value out of them. Well, that's true. I mean, blokes used to roll up their programme so they could piss in the pocket of your pocket. Yeah, yeah. That's
2: why they make programmes so glossy. So they're not absorbing. Well, they do now. As they've learned, haven't they? I saw that Dean Dublin said on Football Focus, it's all seater at the moment and everything's going OK. Why go back to something that might not work? And then he said exactly the same thing two weeks later on Homes Under the Hammer. <laughs> well, I, I went to the,
3: uh, a game at uh, Arsenal, as I've mentioned several times, uh, a few weeks ago. And there was everyone was standing behind the goal at the lowest level. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was standing in front of their seats. Because, as I say, if someone stands at the front... Then you know, you know you're relying on a bloke who's doing a Saturday job for next to no money to go and tell them to sit down, and they're not going to they're, they're not going to do it, you know. Mm, it, it, yeah. And
2: so you, if someone at the front is standing up, everyone has to stand up. Oh, well, yeah, they of course, of course. Oh, no, I went to Fulham um, to see Stoke, unfortunately get beaten rather heavily, and it's exactly the same. I mean, all Stoke fans are standing up. In fact, most away games, it, uh, it's exactly like that. I was thinking you you're given, aren't you, a one meter square? I think mm. that's right for for each person. And I worked out that if you go to Chelsea and stay in that one metre square it's worth (laughs) £11,321 because that's how much property is in Chelsea at the moment and also well done to Wolves who of course are one of the teams that are going to be doing it but they are uniquely placed aren't they because they haven't finished their ground for the last 50 years well they're not in this pilot programme are they? Liverpool and Wolves Uh, were on the list of uh,
3: teams that had installed rail seats, but they're not in this pilot programme, this first pilot programme. Well, Liverpool are the away team on January 2nd, but... Uh, for some reason they're not they've not been included i don't know why well i you know
2: i just think this is the sort of thing that we should like because we are saying that most of the changes have been shit and this would be a change back and so let's it wouldn't it's not a return to to something it's 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 a a step forward to something worse all right but it's it's what football does best it's both a step forward but also a step back towards having a dog handling team at half time and (laughs) i celebrate that and now i feel we should take a break because our guest is coming up soon As you can imagine, a podcast such as this has an enormous team of researchers both unpaid and unpaid. <laughs> Basically, when you've been on this earth as long as Chris and I have and have spent much of that time watching the pantomime of pain and despair that is football, you meet like-minded souls along the way and discover that the football experience for a certain type of supporter transcends club loyalties. These people are found from Pitodri to Plainmore and they become your friends, your sounding boards and some you pester and have <laughs> Eventually, they get dragged in here and forced to be guests. So please welcome our Watford correspondent and driving force behind the Hornet Heaven podcast, the frighteningly informed Oliver Wicken. Ollie. You're so welcome to be here. We're very excited now. I know that you, you, you you've you, you similarly you have a similar generation and 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 have much that you love about the way the game used to be. And although you love the game now, there are things that 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 kind of um, that, that kind of get under your skin a little bit about the way the game is played currently. And you're very uh, pleasingly. Um, Given us a list of those things, but first of all, I want you to talk about Graham Taylor's pants.
4: Ah, Graham Taylor's underpants, Yes, yeah. um, so I wouldn't say I'm obsessive, uh, as a Watford fan, but I do have a pair of Graham Taylor's underpants, and most people <laughs> usually ask me how I came by them
2: auction, I presume.
4: Uh, well, no, I most people presume that stalking I, <laughs> was it stalking? Most people presume that I must have broken into his house and ransacked his knicker drawer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> other people, I think, uh, I think they must must consider me some kind of pioneer in that years ago in the 70s yep. I might have gone to a game and held up a card saying Graham Taylor please can I have, <laughs> can my I have of your pants, pants? <laughs>
2: yes that'd be fantastic um,
4: sadly it's a little bit more prosaic than that yeah. it
3: would uh, fucking have to be yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
4: sadly it's a little bit more mad than that <laughs> it's a story involving uh, a jumbled sale a collection from a table. and me giving my brother a fiver and, um, and asking for GT's undercrackers you gave him a fiver? Uh, uh,
2: uh, you were absent he was the he was the proxy yeah, my, buyer
4: yeah my brother collected the, the bin bag and sorted through it and uh, i just wanted
2: well, a who bin wouldn't, bag of graham taylor's stuff
4: who wouldn't want graham taylor's undercrackers i don't understand uh, I, no, this. No, 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 graham Taylor, no 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 otherwise wouldn't have been
2: available <laughs> yeah why is it a talking point I I, well, no, well when i first heard <laughs> it i just thought yes that, that's exactly right i mean that was quite, quite a strange thing when i i went away from Stoke and had only known Stoke fans and that met in my early 20s fans of other clubs. Most of whom of course, I had no time for at all. But there were some that seemed to have the same attitude towards their club as I had towards mine, which was, yes, I love them, um, but actually this is about being funny and it's funny it's funny to go and it's great fun and yes I enjoy the games but it's all the stuff that surrounds it isn't it and uh, Graham Taylor's underpants perfectly sums that up and of course Graham Taylor's assistant was Steve Harrison who had his <laughs> own mm. very particular um, Did it involve a paper cup? It did It did. I mean, you really wouldn't want his underpants would
3: you?
2: I mean, no that... no. We, just to, for, for any listeners that don't know Steve Harrison's way of, <laughs> of building team morale I believe and he did this for England From the, the top years. of a wardrobe Yes it? No, well, or, or or like the lockers. Uh, well, yeah. well, was that he could shit <laughs> in a paper cup from the top. <laughs> from a dizzy height. Oh, from from dizzy-heighted <laughs> furniture. And uh, I've got to tell you, I was in the World Cup in '98 in France, and I was in Marseille with my friend James, and we were in a restaurant, and and we looked over, and I said, I'm sure that's Steve Harrison, you know. And he said, I don't even know who's Steve. I said, yeah, that's Steve Harrison. And anyway, he could clearly see that we were talking about him, and he walked across to our table and went, yes, I shit in a cup. <laughs> <laughs> which i thought was fantastic
3: <laughs> they should get them to advertise the pizza in a cup shouldn't they You should, they should really yeah. face off. pizza in a cup both
2: before <laughs> and after oh, no. <laughs> don't throw away the cup yeah now one of the things on your list ollie is uh var and that's very mm. relevant because last weekend the most var um overturned Goals, I think, in the history since VAR has been there, which is like two years. Mm. Um, so, we, we, specifically, what are your problems with VAR? Um,
4: yeah, well, I went to I went to the historic game at Arsenal last Sunday. The the Emil Smith Rowe historic. The, yes, game. historic. Oh, yeah. yeah, he did um, make
3: history. Of a sort. Yes. Yeah, yeah,
4: of a sort, a tiny bit. Yeah. Um, and we had a bit of VAR there. I mean, my problem with it, really, is that um, the referee just isn't the sole authority on the pitch anymore. Yeah. That's the basic thing. So refereeing decisions used to be made by one bloke mm. uh, on the pitch, in front of everybody, um, and it was instant, and the decision was final.
3: And that one person was then the focus for all the... Uh, all the Hate and bile. Yeah, yeah the yeah, disrespect. Yeah, and, yeah but, uh, but
4: now we know that there are people in his ear. So we know they're yeah. invisible. So
3: there's people. no
2: point in shouting at him, unless you can shout louder than the yeah.
3: earpiece. And, and your and
2: voice carries to Stockley Park. Well, now now that's interests me, because I don't think this Stockley Park place existed before. And I think whoever's in charge of VAR has gone, we've got to make it sound like it's a really important, clever place. A make, place. make it sound like Bletchley Park. <laughs> <laughs> make it sound like Alan Turing's there, working out if somebody's offside. Well, it's actually just around
4: the corner from Osterley Park, which is where we used to play football, play football on Sunday well, you
2: missed that header when I crossed it for you. It was, yes. Yes, do yes indeed. I, why Never do we forget. always bring that up? Why do we always bring that
4: up? Um, but there are always invisible people in, mm. in the referee's ear, and that just undermines his authority, your knowledge that there is someone else. Who is sitting in adjudication? There's it does, a but it also
3: undermines your enjoyment of it while it's going on. That you that you have no focus for that. You have no focus for that anxiety or for, uh, about whether that's a goal or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, my problem with VAR is that is that the fallibility of the of the officials was always is always part of it. The injustice yes. of it going wrong yes. is always part of it. It's mm-hmm. part of the experience. And there's something awfully sort of sanitised about. Oh, you have you're getting these things exactly right. It doesn't feel like justice to me. It feels like a a nuisance.
2: Well, I mean, it's a sport. It is not a science, you know. And and the whole thing is you kind of feel that these people that want to make it as antiseptic as you say and as perfect as you say, then you... You kind of feel at some stage there's going to be a conversation where somebody's going to say, the ball's too round. You know, it bounces all over the place. How can that be right? The best players can't do something with something like that. You know, it's this constant tinkering and tinkering and tinkering hmm. and tinkering supposedly to perfect the game. The point is, the imperfection is what makes it interesting. And one of the things about
3: football, that one of the life lessons it, it teaches you is that nothing's fair. Nothing's fair. <laughs> You know, that's one of the things it's, that's one of the things it, 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 the strengths it gives you for the rest of your life is you know it's, nothing's fair, so you know you have to learn to get on with that yeah. you know. and, and my problem is that'
4: it's, it's gone throughout the whole game, so um, in a match you're watching where they have got the VAR technology, the referee is undermined. Um, but even in matches where the VAR technology isn't there, just the fact that there's now a higher authority, high authority has undermined the referees in
2: games, even in the Harrow and Sunday. Aaron, uh, yeah, I can, Sunday I, can, later I, can imagine, I can imagine because people are now saying, "If only there was VAR." Yeah, if only there was goal line exactly. te- technology.
3: Mm. And people technology. do, don't they, in games, jokingly make the, the TV rectangle to make the referee they do, do they change do changes mind. And, and, you know. and
2: I am sure when goal line technology came in, there was an argument that said, "You are distancing the game from the game played in a park, mm. the game played in a car park, the game played." That's one of the ma- that's one of the sort of uh, magical
3: things about watching football being played at the highest level is it's the same game that you play it's the same game that you play on a uh, that i play on a tuesday night still yeah you know and Mm. and with var it can't be because you
2: can't have you can't no you can't Mm. have absolutely
3: i mean i think i think there's a there's a there's a difference in the var um to the cricket for instance i think the the, i think the drs system in cricket has made the, the experience of watching cricket particularly on television much much better because the I, I think principally because the 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 area of fallibility for an umpire is so much uh, larger than it is for a football referee or a football linesman and you know the, to the extent that you think that the umpires at cricket are actually interested to see whether they're right or not yeah, yeah, you know yeah. they'll look up at it and think oh well, but, i uh, didn't you know and, the other... and they've actually got better as a result of mm. of seeing yes. seeing where the ball tracker sends the ball but in football these these hair hairline decisions that go one way or another that's the, that's part of the, that's part of the game that ought to you know that uh, trying to erase that is, a, is a, a
2: futile and heartless pursuit, I think. And the other thing about comparing cricket with football, Ollie, is, is, is that, that actually watching those um, replay decisions helps me understand the LBW rule uh, better. Whereas watching the VAR decisions on offside makes me have no idea what is offside and why mm-hmm. anymore.
4: Yeah, and and it's the marginal gains. You've talked about marginal gains as Mm. as a theme. I mean, the the need for, I don't know, Premier League players to trim their armpit hair a bit more these days or clip their toenails or even just have narrower laces it's
3: well, the, that's the ridiculous thing about this year, uh, this season over last season, where you can be offside with a shoulder, but not. A, but uh, last season it was the whole arm, mm. and this uh, it's like the, only the
2: shirt now. Mm. The, the serious point is that they need to work out their margins of error. Yeah, that's key point. And you said to me about the, which we talked about last week, the breath thing, mm. and actually, what was it you said? Oh, it's a part of the body with which you can score a goal. Yeah, because you could <laughs> you could blow the ball in exactly. Well but then the crowd can suck the ball exactly. in. Exactly. So you know, what,
3: every week. Yeah. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and talking about marginal gains, surely um, some sort of boot that isn't really visible next to the grass. Or you know, just, is, just is, is exactly the same green yeah. as the grass. Yeah. So that, well, that's, that that's, guy, kind, that's, that's, kind that's kind of what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Camouflage is what you're talking about, not invisible.
2: <laughs> well, you know, I'm a simple child. <laughs> <And> I <obviously laughs> don't thing, understand
3: technology. The other yeah. thing
4: about VAR is obviously the delay in the decisions, uh, which oh, everybody hates. Oh. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was thinking back, and, and Nick, this is a game that you and I went to years and years ago, which was that I did enjoy waiting for a decision once, and that was the FA Cup quarter final oh, yeah. at Arsenal. Uh-huh. Highbury. Uh, Highbury against Watford in 1987, and the story is that uh, it, there were a couple of minutes to go. Watford were winning two one. They were going to get through to the semi final, and uh, the Arsenal had a corner. The lino flags for something in the area. The referee waves play on. We go up the pitch. Luther Blissett eventually puts the ball in the net, and Tony Adams slides into the posts and smashes his shins, which is always pleasing. <laughs> um, and we think we're through. It's three one. We're in the semi. Uh, but the referee goes and consults the linesman. Yeah. And this is it. It's all or nothing. Because if Arsenal get a penalty, they're obviously going to score it. Um, they're obviously going to win the replay. And they're going to go through. And we're, So it's we're either in the semifinal or we're out of the cup. And it's all on uh, the referee's consultation with the linesman. And we're holding our breath. And he gives the goal. And yeah. it's... Genuinely, yeah, yeah, one I'm, of the I'm, best moments of my life. And I loved it, but it was unique. Yeah. And now we get things like that. It feels like every week that there's when, an when, all or nothing decision. It's going to go one way or the other. But, it's either a goal or it's a penalty to the other team.
2: Yeah. But it, but but the thing about that was when, when those, ha- those things happened and they're always great because there's always that like, like running over and make it, the player's running with him. It's like kiss chase. <laughs> <laughs> they go towards the line and no, lad, don't stay back there. And then the great thing about it was the linesman would say something and the referee would turn around with absolute certainty and think, but, But we still didn't know if it was right or wrong. It was just that those two people had agreed. Norman Bertenshaw, who was a very famous referee in the early 70s, Mm -hmm. in in a cup final, um, there was dispute over a penalty. And they were all going, speak to the linesman, speak to the linesman. And he just, in his book, he says, so I just went across to him and said, nod your head, son. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and he nodded. And said, penalty. Thank
3: you very much. Well, that was that, there was that famous um, consultation after the uh, Jeff Hurst goal in the World Cup final, wasn't it? That yes. Guy went over to the uh, Ukrainian. Yes. Russian Which language linesman. were I speaking? I, I'm not sure that they were. They, mm-hmm. they just seemed to be nodding to one another. Yeah. But there was that wait then, wasn't there? And there was then that point for a, point for a goal. Yeah. That same. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, so a delay in a decision isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it ought to be a, a rarity.
2: Yeah, it oughtn't but, to be three times a game. But but as you say, in that situation, you can see the person who you have to vent your anger at. Yes, yes. So that's something, isn't it? Well, you it's know, part you know. of the spectacle, yeah. isn't it? That's being that's being removed to Stockley Park.
3: The part of the spectacle of what you what you're watching. Yeah.
2: Now, now two things, two other things that I was very interested in that you that you put on your list. Um, and by the way, can I say you're the, much the most prepared guest we've ever? Had. In fact, you're much the most Prepared person we've ever had. <laughs> well, I found, I've it, I've found it
4: hard to narrow it down to ten things well, yeah, to more well, shit about football. Yeah, yeah, that is yeah. absolutely
2: true. But I've got, I, I, I've got
4: one thing that's yeah, less shit about football. Well, well we, we
3: can come to that later, maybe. Well, Ooh. it's not really in the in the vein of the. He's,
4: no. He's teasing. Um, there's one thing they did, which was the back pass rule that the keeper can't pick okay. it up, which they brought in in 1992. Actually, mm-hmm. when yeah. so football began in 1992 it with did. this new back pass rule. Um, and it's well why well, I think it's great it's just that it removed a really boring part of the game but it's also introduced this jeopardy of players that were expert in using their hands yeah, yeah. now having to use their feet yes. and it still gives comedy gold uh, with Allison and Edison even today but in on the 15th of August 1992 it provided comedy gold well it didn't feel like that at the time but for at Watford Uh, The very first game of the season, under the new rule, Watford kicked off, passed it back to Perry Suckling. Got his feet in a tangle. (laughs) The Millwall player... Got the ball off him and put it in the yeah, net. Yeah, so, yeah, in yeah. the very first minute, there was
2: comedy gold. <laughs> well, I, I, and I, this is a theory I've never shared before, but, and it's almost certainly untrue. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe that the changing of Don't the pick back. It up. The cha- oh, yeah. The changing of the back rule launched Ian Wright's career t- into the stratosphere because he scored so many goals that first season by just chasing everything down because people would just panic all the time. And the amount of times in that first season, if you remember, how keepers would go half down with their.
4: Right. I'm not sure how much to believe of what you guys say here, actually, because I was listening to you earlier. Yeah. Um, and you said that um, Mason Greenwood had parked
2: his England career. Well, Surely he has it valet-parked for him. Oh, yeah, that's very ah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There well. must be somebody who can do it for him. Now, I'm interested. There are two things that I really liked on your list, uh, <laughs> particularly liked. I like them all. But um, fans that think they're coaches now, I think that's a good one. Tell it, just tell us exactly what you mean by that.
4: Yeah, what I mean, Well, one of my pet hates is when um, you hear fans saying, um, that a manager was tactically naive.
3: Yes, oh. I loathe the word oh. naive more than anything else. I don't. I've, I don't know who introduced that. Whether whether it was Hanson, maybe. Yeah. Or, but. It, uh, but it's it's like been picked up as a as a clever way to say stupid or a clever way <laughs> to say bad. Yeah. Okay, where where you know I, I'm picking on him for no reason. Jermaine Genus will say something is yeah. naive, yeah. and then you look at Jermaine Genus and he's the most naive looking.
2: bloke. Well, yeah. And, <laughs> and the other thing is, if you go to a football ground, uh, nearly everybody in the crowd is tacked. Naive. They haven't got a clue. What well, going how to many play? of the people
3: in the crowd have ever had to put a team out to mm. to do anything? So, so I blame the computer games
4: like uh, Football Manager and FIFA, mm. um, and it just gives the, the crowd the confidence that, that they could be doing the job yeah. that someone big, big who's been in football all their lives yeah. has been trained to do it and has got coaching badges. Yeah. But even if
3: you could, even if you could have a tactical idea that would work, the idea that without the, uh, without a football career behind you, you would be able to man manage
2: those people into doing what you. Said well, it's just oh, oh, it. exactly, and I have had, I, I have had. I'm not going to d- 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 pull out the child that sat near me that said it, but it was my son Harvey. Um, <laughs> um, you know, he, I'd say, he well, you know, w- what do you, what do you know about it? Exactly, and just said, excuse me, I took Burton <laughs> from the conference <laughs> to winning the Champions League, <laughs> which is funny. Except, I kind of think that they mean it. You know, know, Mm. don't tell me what a long, hard season is. I'll do one in nearly 12 minutes. Well, and Uh, if real football won't do it for you, then, you know, fake football... Yes. You so personally, back on.
4: personally, I freely, ad- freely admit after 50 years of watching football, I'm none the wiser. No. Absolutely none the wiser about how things happen, how matches change. And I really don't want to know. I mean, it's, it's like a, a magician. You don't yeah, want you to don't know how see they the, do the, the tricks. See I want to be filled with yeah. awe and wonder whether it was the manager in the changing room having a bit of a pop, giving them the hairdryer treatment or whether someone pushed a right back. Five yards yeah. up the pitch, when you shot, will sometimes see, won't you,
3: on a on a match of the day or on uh, Sky when you watch a game. They'll go to a pundit who will who will who will you know draw little moving circles around a particular player and tell you what they've done and what, blah blah blah. As though there's understanding, but there's always yeah. then twenty twenty hindsight there where they've seen it's yeah. like they've seen a the thing and they're describing the thing. It's not like they could they could have invented that thing you know they particularly um last weekend when united played city they were all about uh, the United fullbacks being drawn up the field and the mm. space behind them, yeah. and you can see that uh, you know after it's happened,
4: exactly. But it kept you know, in hindsight, uh, I yeah, think exactly. is that right? yeah, 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 the phrase
3: But the idea point. that you know
2: that this yeah. is your this is your yeah. uh, tactical accuracy. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's like it's saying exactly. what Hurst has done there, he's hit it just at the bottom of the bar to make sure that it drops <laughs> just behind the line. Now they, <laughs> these things don't happen by accident. He'll have been practicing that be <laughs> uh, on but, the training field. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. But but funny about. I mean, we're talking about that talking about tactical naivety et etc et etc et etc pardon me um, uh, harvey again, my son uh, to be fair he, he, he does love his football and does watch an awful lot of it and you know he, w- he was he would tell me um, that if you watch um, the german um, equivalent to Match of the Day it's far more tactical you know they'll do you know proper not just looking at that game but look at different games which they do occasionally do on Match of the Day and he said he saw a great thing about um, Jaden Sancho which obviously they'd done subtitles on uh, and how he changed from season to season and what Dortmund had done to his game and blah 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 and you just think wouldn't it be good if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer watched that?
3: <laughs> what do you do? Because, you know,
2: they've noticed it, and, and maybe it could help. Maybe it could help him.
3: Mm. I think maybe mm. a, he watched a couple of Dortmund games when Sancho was on the bench and thought he looks good there. Yeah. He looks good. Yeah, that's a, yeah. That's a good place yeah. for him. Yeah, I've never
4: seen him make a mistake
3: yeah. <laughs> or, or have a happy face. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've
4: always wondered about coaching. I, I watched a player called Gary Porter at Watford uh-huh. from the nineteen eighties through to nineteen ninety and i I watched him and I thought he hasn't got better he hasn't got better in twelve years he keeps doing the same thing and he, he was great you know he's a, he
2: is a legend but he just never really got better yeah
4: and he thought isn't that a isn't
2: that a, a myth yeah, yeah, but, but do you think but do you think that's a case of maybe you know he made it very clear to the, each manager <laughs> boss it doesn't matter what you say. I'll do what I do, you know. And you can imagine they get some sort of tactical uh, cake. All right, everybody up here. Gary, you can do what you want. Right, lads. I mean, there must be players who are uncoachable for various reasons, either an incredible amount of talent, an incredible amount of pig-headedness, or a very limited but effective way of Mm. playing. But maybe over the
3: 12 years, the course of Gary Porter's 12 years, maybe what he was covering up with his youthful athleticism he was actually, as his athleticism deteriorated, he was making up with with l- l- an ounce more nouse you know Ooh. maybe Ooh. The, there a was, marginal a, gain there was a level uh, yes. uh, uh, overall
4: but, ah, but should it be should he have been concentrating on nouse or
2: should it have been guile uh, well, well, have been I, I think about. that's just a very naive question. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's I mean, surely that's the whole thing about marginal gains. You want a little bit of nought, a little, little bit of guile, just okay. a little bit of, uh, of everything. Isn't that the what a song? It. Isn't
3: that song in Oliver?
2: Right? Yeah, a little bit oh, of nought, a, a little bit, yeah. a little bit yeah. of guile. And yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, where yeah.
4: does wileyness fit in? Because yeah. you can be a wily yeah. striker.
2: I think strikers are mainly wily, but occasionally you get a wily defender. I think wiliness yeah, John Wiley. Yeah. Well, yes. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think wileyness yeah. wil- yeah. wil- yeah. wil- yeah. is cheating, isn't it? Ooh. that's <laughs> yeah. what I've always thought wiliness was I think it's frowned upon ethically it's, it's the same as he's been very clever there oh
3: yeah, yeah. yeah. yes yeah yeah, yeah yeah.
2: and you think well yeah. mm, not that clever um, final thing actually just while we're talking about VAR and we You know, you're here and you're a Watford fan. Last season, we played you (laughs) in the league and one of the most amazing decisions ever seen on, I think, on a football pitch happened. Would you like to talk us through it, Oliver? Okay,
4: I'll probably be talking it through from my perspective rather than your perspective. I won't give my Um, perspective,
2: but I imagine it'll be the opposite.
4: And this wasn't a VAR thing, was it? It wasn't. This was a goal line technology technology thing. It was. Um, So, as I remember it, uh, maybe a little bit patchy, but as I remember it, Tom cleverly had a shot. Very good shot. It hit the underside of the bar and it came down and then it bounced out and the goalkeeper went after it. He seemed to catch it, but he may have crossed the line. And then when he came back onto the pitch, uh, João Pedro barged him over the line. Yes. And so there was, sort of, I think, there were three points at which the ball might have gone over the line. Yes, and the referee got a, 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 a buzz on his wrist or whatever he got, and he didn't know which at which point the ball had crossed the line. So yeah. I think he guessed that it was the first time, which meant that when João Pedro barged the goalkeeper over the line. The, the goal had already been scored. So it was, it was completely opaque as far as I was concerned. I, but, I couldn't tell
2: Well, we have, you know, now we have, Do we not have now a perfect chance to show how games can be seen from different points of view? <laughs> so Tom Clever, he's hit the ball. Um, Guns made a fantastic save, tipped it onto the bar. It's come down and we thought it might have crossed the line. He grabs it. Referee turns away to run back because, you know, game's starting off, running towards it, back to the game. Jao Pedro barges, gun into the goal, uh, and he falls over, obviously thinks it's a free kick. Referee, facing the other way, gets the buzzer and it turns around, gives a goal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, different ways of looking at things. And the truth of the matter is, if there wasn't dole technology technology, uh, you know, or equally VR, if they've been in that case, then there wouldn't have been any problem at all.
4: Yeah, creating a problem. Yeah, creating a problem, wasn't
3: there? It's a shame. It's a shame there wasn't goal line technology in 1990 for the FA Cup semi final, where Nick Henry of Oldham had a shot, as you say, it came down off the bar, Mm -hmm. down arguably behind the line and you know we, you have um, a d- two different perspectives one the Oldham fans obviously clearly thought that was a goal the truth. and the other the <laughs> referee who was a Manchester United season holder uh, season, season, ticket, <laughs> season ticket holder rather um, clearly thought it hadn't uh, so, was
2: he really a season ticket yeah. holder Manchester. you were allowed to do that in those days were you really yeah. I've got a feeling Chesterfield might have beaten Middlesbrough as well in the semi-final with a similar decision but you know it's all in the past now and we've all got over it um, <laughs> uh, it was the it was the second goal that you scored that i thought was particularly unfair that night but- Anyway, that's fine. Oliver Wickham, thank you so much for being here. Ollie's podcast, uh, Hornet Heaven, is a, is a wonderful thing to listen to. And thank you all for listening to the show. Don't forget to subscribe if you possibly can and tell all of your friends and indeed your enemies and strangers and just people that you see, you know, maybe on a train or in court. I'm not judging anybody. And, uh, you know, just just so just so listeners know, I, w- I want to make a statement. Um, you know, if you have been affected by any of the comments on this podcast and believe that your team has been picked on don't worry because there'll always be another team next time now the famous Sloping Pitch is an equal opportunities podcast but may harsher on teams that believe themselves to be more equal than others
0: Sports Social Podcast Network With the Lucky Land Slots you can get lucky just about anywhere